Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. Today's message is titled, Effort, the Final Act of Loving God, and it is part of the Loving God Sermon Series. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, you can visit us at our website at bccma.org, or you can always send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon. Well, I had a great week. We had a, uh, uh, I did a wedding last night in South, and I went to Sturbridge a lot this week. I had a wedding last night in Sturbridge. But I have to say, that was great. It was awesome. Uh, but um, uh, we, we married, uh, I don't know, Steve Gonzalez is still here? Steve was part of it. We married Noah Romo. He is Tony, Mo, Tony Romo's cousin. Tony wasn't there, by the way. <laughs> but my highlight this week was a funeral. Also back there in Southbridge. And uh, we, uh, we did the funeral for Brian LeBlanc. And uh, I, I, I know it's maybe weird to say a funeral is a highlight of your week. But the presence of God was there so real. And the place was packed. A whole left side of the room was full of veterans. And then we went to the Eagles Fraternity something or other club, you know. I guess some of you know about those, but I'd, I'd never been to one. And it was kind of like a VFW. And, and just hanging out with those guys who've been to Iraq and Afghanistan and all these places. And just, they just, well, they just grabbed my heart. They just grabbed my heart. They've been through so much, and, and they love our country. You know, they don't care about the politics. They love this country. One guy, especially, who I talked to, and he was, uh, I never thought of this, but they have uh, morticians. And I should have known that, right? He was a mortician for many years in Afghanistan and Iraq. And it, it had had its effect on him. You know, he told me. And shared his story. He said, I started, when I came back, I started drinking. And he said, I put a gun in my mouth one night, pulled the trigger, and the gun jammed. And I realized God had a plan for my life. And he, he raised his pants legs up, and he had a big old lighthouse. And it said, the, the, we walk by faith and not by sight. And so it was great just to be with those guys. And if you're a veteran here today, you know, I don't, who, I, I think we've been in a lot of, uh, yes. I don't, I don't agree with some of the wars we've gotten in the last few years, but that, the politics aren't about it. Those guys who go love this country, and, and they love the freedom that America has, and so we love them. Um, let's get back in the Word tonight. Oh, oh, by the way, I need to say something about community groups. Community groups, if, if you're a community group leader and you did, not, uh, you did not receive your notes, your recap notes, we had some problems last week. So I sent them early this morning. You should have gotten your recap notes. If you didn't get them, see Linda Porch on the way out at the Connection Central and if you haven't checked your email today, which you may not have, I understand, then later on today, if you check your email and you didn't have it, please email me right away, and we'll, we'll figure this out. We'll get it straightened out. And um, by the way, you can, another thing, if you go to community groups, let me just uh, take a minute to say this. Uh, it's really, really important that you engage with the sermon, uh, because that's what you're going to talk about. So t- take, take some notes, and, uh, and, and write in the app, if you do the BCC uh, app, You can go right in there and look at the notes. There's places to make your own notes. So write down the things that you feel God is saying to you that when you go to group, you share them. 
And also, you may, you may something may be, it'll be a question. Maybe it's something you heard you did, didn't agree with. Community groups is the place to talk about that. So uh, I encourage you to take some notes. All right? <clears throat> I want to preach today on the word, one word, effort, the final act of loving God. Effort. Let's everybody say effort. I want you to connect with God at a heart and mind level. In other words, I want, and, and a soul level too. I want you to embrace him with your intelligence, your, your cognition, um, and your feelings. I want you to feel God. You won't feel him all the time. Nobody does. We couldn't handle it. We couldn't handle feeling God all the time. You know, there's a lot, life has a lot of other components to it. But everybody should have a felt experience of God. Uh, you, you've heard the story that many of you are familiar with the story. probably heard it talked about at Easter. The two men who were leaving uh, Jerusalem and going to a town called Emmaus. And Jesus had been uh, died in, in, uh, on the cross. And unknown, unknown to them, he had been resurrected from the dead. And Jesus walks with them. They don't recognize him in his glorified body. And then they finally get to the house and they break bread together. And Jesus disappears. And in the middle of breaking bread. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us? I believe that you need to have, and I need to have that burning heart experience once in a while with Jesus. And that's part of loving him. That's part of, part of loving another person is having moments of great emotion with that other person that involve laughter, tears, affection, all of that. So let's go back to the verse I'm not going to read all those verses in Mark 12, but it starts with a guy asking the Lord how God, asking Jesus, how do, how do we have, what, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus tells him, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want us to talk about strength today. I want to talk about you loving God with your strength. Are you loving God with your effort? James 4.8 says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I want us to revisit the doctrine of effort. I think effort, and we'll explain why in a minute, effort has been treated with uh, a bit of uh, disdain if, in, in, in relation to grace. It's been treated with um, dismissal. It's been treated as unnecessary. You don't need to have effort. Just, you just need to know that God loves you. Well, the text says that I'm supposed to love God. You know? The text doesn't say the greatest commandment is to get God to love you. But the text says love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So that's what I want to focus on today. 2 Peter 1.5 says it this way. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. Notice it ends with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord, of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, it says, Make every effort. Try. Lean in. Press in. Stress out. Maybe it's the proper way to say it. 
What would our lives look like if we were putting forth effort to love God? What would our schedules look like if we put forth effort to look like? What would our countenance look like? What would our church service on Sunday morning look like if we were making every effort to love God? Now, I want to explain today, before the sermon's over, why this is necessary. It's not for the reason that you probably think. So I want to explain why. First of all, let me t- let's talk about a story, though, that illustrates effort. And it's from one of the most famous people who ever lived, and certainly the most famous preacher who ever lived, is Billy Graham. I loved Billy Graham. And got, uh, had the wonderful privilege of meeting him and talking to him one day. And uh, it was one of the highlights of my life. Talking to, I was able to be in a room, Steve, with George Beverly Shea, Billy Graham, and Cliff Barrows. All at the same time. Yeah, Phil McCutcheon. And uh, that was a marvelous experience that I'm so glad I got to have that experience. Because for me, I'd rather, I would have rather met Billy Graham than any athlete or movie star. I mean, he was, he was my hero. Billy Graham was a very dynamic communicator. But we hear a Billy Graham... And we think, well, God just, he was just born with talent. He was just born a great communicator. But you are missing a great point. There was a time of effort when Billy Graham, uh, sure, I'm sure he, he, I know he went to college and he studied communication, all that. But there was a, there was a specific time where Billy Graham pressed into God and it changed his life. It changed his ability to communicate with people. It happened in 1946. He was in England and Wales doing some preaching. And one night he went to hear a guy named Stephen Olford. Stephen Olford was a great preacher. Stephen Olford was filled with passion. And he preached a message on being filled with the Spirit. And Billy Graham goes up to him. This young guy, Billy Graham, goes up to him afterward and said, you should have given an invitation tonight because I would have answered the invitation because I want to be filled with the Spirit. Now, now this guy's already a Christian and all of that. But he said, I want to be filled with the Spirit. He recognized there was a passion that he didn't have. And um, so to make a long story short, a little shorter, they met together for two solid days in a drab little hotel room somewhere in Wales. And this is uh, Stephen Alford's words. We spent the hours turning the pages of the Bible, studying passages and verses. Billy prayed, Lord, I don't want to go on without knowing this anointing you've given my brother, given Stephen Alford. Day two, we talked about surrender and bowing to the sovereignty of God. We didn't eat, we only drank water. Now, now, what I want you to hear here is, is the, the, the effort. It, Billy Graham didn't just give visited with this anointing that God just magically. Some of us are wait, sitting around waiting on this magical anointing to happen to us that will just lift us to a whole other level. Now, here's the results. Stephen Alford's words. We went from talking and discussing 
we went to our knees praying and praising. It was about the mid-afternoon on the second day that Billy began pouring out his heart in a prayer of total dedication to the Lord. According to him, all heaven broke loose in that dreary little room. It was like Jacob laying hold of God and crying, Lord, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Billy Graham said his words, my heart is so flooded with the Holy Spirit. They alternatively wept and laughed, and Billy began walking back and forth across the room saying, I have it. I'm filled. I'm filled. This is the turning point in my life. It was so powerful that when Stephen Alford got home and walked into the house, his father looked at his face and said, what on earth has happened to you? He said, I sat down at the kitchen table and I said, Dad, something has happened to Billy Graham. The world is going to hear from this man. This is in 1946. The world is going to hear from this man. He's going to make his mark in history. Now, I'm not telling you that you have to go hole up in a dingy motel room for two days and do exactly what Billy Graham did. It wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt. <laughs> Something good would happen if you would try it. But I'm not telling you that, that you, exact, you have to do exactly that. But I'm telling you, if you're going to have a love, the love relationship with God that you would like to have, that you actually, whether you know it or not, you so desire and you so need, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to do some trying. You're going to have to do some pressing. You're going to have to exercise some discipline. You're going to have to put forth some effort because effort releases favor. The cornerstone doctrine of the gospel is called grace. And that is a stumbling block for us. Grace means unmerited favor. So what are you saying, Pastor Phil? I've got to pray a lot before God will love me? Before he will give me any grace? No. Just because it's effort, just because it's unearned favor, doesn't mean you access it without trying without pressing in see there's this false idea that effort is the opposite of grace it's as though we're going to embrace God's grace and if we do we're doomed to just be forgiven not transformed nothing amazing happened in our souls no seasons of overwhelming joy no tears of joy no more of God we're just forgiven. No. Grace is not the opposite of effort. Dallas Willard said it really well. And if you want to read about disciplines of the Christian life that will move you closer to God, read Dallas Willard's stuff. He's the best on the disciplines of the Christian life. He said this, grace is not opposed to effort, but to earning Okay, when we say you're saved by grace, we don't mean you don't have to do anything to get saved. No, you have to do something to get saved. You have to surrender your life to Christ to be saved. You have to confess that Jesus is Lord to be saved. You have to put forth some effort in order to be saved. You're not, 
You know, salvation doesn't just fall on random people at random times. Nobody's going to be sitting around in this auditorium this morning and all of a sudden, whoa, I just got saved. I, I wasn't counting on that. I didn't know that God was going to do that to me. No, people get saved who ask to be saved. We're not talking about earning our salvation. We can't do that. No matter how much you pray. No matter how much you serve. No matter how much you press in. No matter how much effort you put in. You are not going to earn your salvation. It's like, it's like swimming the Atlantic Ocean. A few of us may go out there and say, we're going to swim to, to the Atlantic Ocean. Now, one or two of you would probably be so strong, you might swim out of sight. And I would be... I would drown within sight of everyone. But even the most athletic and the professional swimmer who might swim out of sight is going to drown just like me. That's what it's like to try to earn God's grace by doing enough for God. This is not, this is not that way at all. But we are talking about entering into a place of passion where we feel the presence of God and where God feels us. And I want to talk about that in a minute when I talk about the woman with the issue of blood. Where God feels us. Perhaps you've, you've ever listened to Bishop Jakes preach on, on YouTube and he will, he, he, will, he will be preaching to that congregation in Dallas and he will say, I'm not feeling you. <laughs> Sometimes God isn't feeling us. Because we're not pressing in. And if you, want to, if you want to experience God, you're going to have to press in. You're going to have to push. You're going to have to go for it. But I want to quote Pastor Ben, uh, ben Sternkey here. And he says something that I, I relate to. He said, I remember this sinking feeling in my stomach. I just shared in a small group meeting that I felt God was leading me toward greater discipline in a few areas of my life. But the leader of the group did one of those yes buts. You know the kind? Technically they're agreeing with you, but really they're correcting you? Yes, but this well-meaning leader felt it necessary to remind me and the whole group that it was all about God's grace. And we can't make God love us any more or any less through our obedience. Well... <laughs> We're not talking about making God love us anymore. We're talking about making me love God more. That's what I'm talking about. I need to love God more. It's good for me and good for God for me to love him more. I'm not talking about getting he to love me. The Bible says while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So Christ loves you, God loves you when you're a mess and you're not doing anything for him. In fact, you're going the other way. You're working for the other team. He loves you. Amy Carmichael, the late Amy Carmichael said, we have not to make the wind or beseech it to blow. We have nothing to do with the wonder of it. Our one work is to set our sails and catch the last whisper of it. Blow, blow, O breath. Really only means, O, bre o breath, my sails are set. According to the promise of my Lord, fill them now. Now, I know that's very archaic language, and you're probably, ah, oh, what did she just say? Well, let me say it to you this way. If you go out to the ocean today, in a beautiful day, you'll probably be some sailboats out there today. You go out there, you see all those sailboats. 
They're moving, what will you say, effortlessly. But that's not true. If you were on one of those sailboats, somebody's moving and somebody's getting the sails set and somebody's working really hard to keep the sails set. I mean, th this guy over here, I've been up with him in his, uh, his airplane, and you would tell me, Steve, that that airplane that, that is, is made airborne by the law of lift and probably a few other laws that I don't even know about, right? But it's not you. you. You're not lifting that plane up. What if we went over there to the airport someday and we got in the plane and we just sat there? We're just waiting on God's grace to lift us in the air. You can't lift the plane in the air, but you got to get it going down the runway fast enough and you got to set the rudders correctly. You got to set the wings so that the law of lift will take us up in the air. And this guy can do it. He took me to lunch to. Uh, uh, Martha's Vineyard one day, he, he knows how to do it, man. He, he, he's good, but he ain't that good. He can't, he, he, can't, he can't lift that plane in the air. It takes, but do you think the plane's going to lift in the air if he doesn't do anything? He's got to start the engine. He's got to start down the runway. He's got to get everything set. That's what I mean by using effort to enter into the passion of God. That's what I mean by using effort to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus doesn't mince any words, and he doesn't apologize, and he doesn't say, you guys don't have to do anything, I will do it all. No, he didn't say that, did he? In fact, I don't have a big black book, I got an iPad, sorry. This iPad is full of things you're supposed to do. <laughs> Let me give you a couple quickies. Effort releases favor because it invites God to our struggle. Woman with the issue of blood. Some of you know that story, Mark 5.25, a woman who had a bleeding sickness. She presses in to Christ. All kinds of people were milling around, but she reaches out. She presses in and Jesus says, I feel somebody just touched me. What did he mean? Somebody just touched me with effort. Somebody just touched me with intentionality. Somebody went for it. That's what I'm trying to draw out of you this morning, that some of you will look at Jesus and you'll say, I'm going to go for the power of Jesus. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to touch Jesus today. I'm not just going to ask him to touch me. Effort also releases favor because it touches the compassionate heart of God. That's what that woman did. She touched the compassionate heart of God. Now let's move to number two. Effort proves love and transforms us into carriers of it. When we begin to love God, we become a conduit of God's love, and the other people in our lives experience Jesus. Other, the people in our lives experience love of God. If, if you believe that there is no effort required to, to, to be a good person, no effort required then you will actually go about preaching grace but wreaking havoc on the people around you. Galatians 5.13 says you were called to freedom, but do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Greg Boyd is a great pastor in uh, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And uh, a, a Yale... Uh, educated guy. He's got all kinds of degrees and stuff. Not that that relates to the story. I just want to impress you a little bit. So, <laughs> but uh, uh, he, he said 25 years ago, 
he was at a truck stop, and he sits by this guy at the truck stop, and, and this guy starts talking to him about his regular cocaine use, which he was happy about, and the, the woman he was uh, with the night before and how wonderful it was, <laughs> and, and that he, was, uh, had, he, 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 he did that routine a couple of times a week, he said, with different women. And he, his living girlfriend, he said, she, she's, she tries to pretend she doesn't know uh, because I'm, I'm the father to her two kids and she wants to have a father for her two kids. And, and then he turns to Greg and says, by the way, what do you do for a living? <laughs> and Greg said, well, I'm a pastor. And he says, oh, expletive. <laughs> he said, why don't you wear a collar or something or a robe? You know? <laughs> but then... What he said was very interesting. Um, uh, Greg says to him, I assured him, this is, oh, let me read Greg's words. That's the best way to tell you the story. I assured him I had no interest in judging him <clears throat> since I am simply a forgiven sinner. I then told him he could be forgiven and transformed by the love of God if he entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. His response was rather interesting. Oh, I know all about that, Pastor. I've already accepted Jesus as my Savior. That's great, I said, trying not to sound surprised. Yes, sir, he said. My grandma had me go forward and pray the sinner's prayer when I was five. The trucker then explained that he gave up on religion in his early teen years, but he never forgot that he'd accepted Jesus. He said, God doesn't see my sin anymore. I, Greg goes, I, I mean, Boyd says, I inquired how that worked. How an all-knowing God would be, be unable to see something. He says in his, in his southern preacher voice, the old truck driver goes, God sees me through Jesus' spectacles. He said he doesn't see my sin anymore. He only sees the blood of Jesus. Now, if you're new here, Bethany, let me tell you. We believe in the forgiveness of sin. And we believe you struggle and you fail. I don't know of a church I'd rather be at and have a failure than this one. Because the people here know about mercy and know about grace. But this dude wasn't struggling. <laughs> he wasn't struggling. He had bad religion and he had a false notion of grace. He had, he, he had false doctrine about what grace was, that grace means you have no longer to put forth any effort, and you have no obligation to put forth any effort to control your desires. But you do whatever you feel like doing. Listen, when I love God with my strength, you know how I love him with my strength? I say no to myself. I say, no, Phil, you can't have that. Even though you want it, you can't do that because you love God. Now, I want to explain before I'm done this morning, hopefully in the next 10 minutes, I can explain to you what I mean by that. You, uh, you know, my, another little story that relates to that story is Tony Liston's a pastor I met years ago in North Carolina. And so I follow him on Facebook, and he posted this story that those slides were on Facebook. He's a strange guy. He, he, he plays paintball. And, and uh, you cannot be an elder in his church unless you play paintball. <laughs> he, he's actually got a very good church out in Davenport, Iowa. But he said, he said, a visiting pastor from another church caught me today after our first service and told me he was looking for a new place to serve and worship. 
I asked him where he'd been serving and worship, leading worship, and he told me. Then he added that he felt very constrained and judged by that pastor there. And I asked him, well, what was the source of the contention? And he said, my wife and I have a very contemporary and open relationship. And I took me by surprise, so I asked, open relationship? You mean you're seeing other people and sleeping around? And the guy says, yes. I told him, well, <laughs> you're two for two. Because this pastor's going to judge you a little bit too. <laughs> you shouldn't be leading worship anywhere. Most definitely you will not be leading worship here. <laughs> Man, we believe in the grace of God. God forgives anything. But I want, I don't just want, I want grace that transforms me a little bit. You know? And, 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 and the people that are outside of faith, if you're here this morning and you're not, you haven't accepted Christ, man, I'm glad you're here. Wow, I'm so thankful. And if you're just checking Christianity out. But I, I'm, I know one thing about you, and if I talk to you in the visitor's lounge later, you'll affirm this for me. You don't want to go to a church that has those two guys walking around claiming they're Christians. Because those guys will hurt you. They'll mess your, they'll mess your life up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just as a bird soars on two wings, a seeker can only be liberated with both effort and grace. Finally, effort will put you in the middle of God's presence. Now I want to get, try to get to the point here this morning, the next few minutes. Hebrews 4.11, Therefore, let us make every effort to enter rest. The Bible says God is near the brokenhearted, so we love him by putting forth effort to be near the brokenhearted, Judy. That's what you do every day. The Bible says God loves those who love him, and those who seek him early will find him, so I put prayer in my schedule. The Bible says God dwells in the praises of his people, so I verbalize my gratitude. I put forth the effort to see the good in what's going on around me and not all the bad. The Bible says God resists the proud, so I constantly look for ways, and it's a hard job for me because I'm so incredible. It's, I, I, I look for ways to be humble. <laughs> just kidding, I'm just kidding. The Bible says God is pleased with, with, with faith, so I put forth the effort to speak words of faith instead of doubt. God gives to those who ask. He grants discoveries to those who seek, and he opens doors to those who knock. So I want to go through my life asking and searching and knocking. Christ is our sacrifice for sin, and he's irresistible to the Father. So I want to lift up Jesus to Christ, to God, as my reason for sacrifice. Now, here's the conclusion. And here's what I hope, hopefully this will tie, put the bow on the sermon and bring it together for you. We understand our need for God. But we don't understand his need for us. This is what effort is about. It's not about our need for him. It's about his need for us. He doesn't need us in terms of resources. He has plenty. He needs us like you need your children. And anybody who has a mama who's still alive, know you better call your mama. You better go by and see her once in a while, right? God had children so he could enjoy our presence. I enjoy the presence of my children most of the time. 
I enjoy the presence of my grandchildren all the time. You see, effort is not about me earning God's love. But it's letting him, him know that he has earned my love. Effort is, let me say it again, effort is not about me earning God's love. It's about letting him know that he has earned mine. And that's impossible to do without effort. I cannot let God, God cannot know that I love him and he needs to know that I love him. He is hungry for my fellowship. He is hungry for my presence. So, well, I want the presence of God. He wants the presence of Scott, Judy, Megan, Mike. He wants your presence. He's, he's hungry. He came all the way to earth so he could hang out with you. So he could feel you. It's God's need that we're meeting. God's need for human fellowship. God's going to remake this whole world so he can be at home with us again. Think about that for a minute. God's going to recreate this whole world that we live in. We are on a march, and I wish I had another hour to talk to you about the march of history, because I know you, you think about all the bad things, but all the bad things are just interludes between God moving us closer and closer and closer to final restoration of all things. The Bible says God will restore all things. He's restoring all things so you and he can spend forever together, and so he can treat you like a king and a queen. Some of you here this morning need to press into the love of God. And you need to enter into the greatest relationship that you could ever possibly have. It is the best thing there is. Would you stand? Here's the deal, guys. You can have as much of God as you want. And you do. How many of you here this morning would say, I want more of God, so I'll give him more of me. I want more of God, so I'm going to give him more of me. Just put that other hand up if, you, if, if you're not holding a baby. <laughs> Unless you're really strong. <laughs> oh, Father, let's just, let's just love him right now. Let's... Let's, let's, let's press into his presence for a few couple of minutes. Lord, we press into your presence. We press into your love. You have earned our love. You've sent your son. You've given us all things. We're breathing. We're alive. We've all been so blessed. Even, through, even, even in spite of our problems, we have so many more blessings than we do have problems. And you've given us so much. And you've given us a book full of promises. All of this in heaven too. All of this in heaven too. So God... Show me how to give myself more of you. Show me how to put, show me the places where I can put forth more effort. It may be in my, just my tone of voice. It may be in my countenance. It may be in my schedule. It may be in my money. It may be my service. Show me where I can press in more. Because as, as Christy shared earlier, you will never let me outgive you. 
you will never, ever help me outgive you. I, I, you, will, you the, the, the books will always end up in your favor. I will always be in the red with you, God. I will always have a deficit in my balance when it comes to you because you're never going to let me outlove you. Hallelujah. Let's just praise him in your own way. Praise him. He's never going to let you outlove him. He's never going to let you outlove him. Try it. Try to outlove him and see what happens. Thank you, Jesus.